like many liturgical Christians, you are familiar with the goings-on of Holy Week. Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. But Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of what is historically Jesus's Holy Week, his last week of ministry, also have significant actions connected to those days. Back in the old days, Holy Week, we would meet on Palm Sunday, and we would also meet on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Take Saturday off for the vigil, but we still met at midnight, and then meet on Sunday morning. Palm Sunday starts off this Holy Week of Jesus, and it contains significant actions and significant teachings. It even has a preliminary event in the resurrection of Lazarus, which is a very public ministry, a very public miracle given unto the nations to attest to Jesus' majesty. Need I remind you that Jesus dithered for three days waiting for Lazarus to not just be dead, but waiting for Lazarus to be good and dead before he called him out of the grave. The Palm Sunday parade was a nice touch. But Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are big, purpose-filled days in Jesus' ministry. Jesus was bringing things, as I might say, to a head. He was forcing them into a corner. Our text for today takes place on that Monday of Holy Week. The previous day, we call Palm Sunday for Jesus and his followers. It was just the first day of the week. It was Sunday. Jesus is welcomed into Jerusalem with enthusiasm, with shouts, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mark records Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, he saw that it was already late. And he went back outside the city, back to Bethany, back to Lazarus. The next day on Monday, Jesus comes back to the temple. This time he does more than just look around. What Jesus saw disgusted him. And he took significant action. Mark records, as Jesus began to drive out those who sold and those who bought on the temple grounds, he overturned the tables of the money changers. He turned over the seats of those who sold pigeons. Quoting Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, Jesus states, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Sometimes that last little bit gets left off. The nations in Hebrew is the goyim, the Gentiles. Those are not like us. Granted, this all seems a bit shocking to us. This is not the way we're accustomed to seeing our Lord Jesus. This is, this is definitely not Christmas Jesus. This is not infant holy, infant lowly for his bed a cattle stall. In the other Gospels, Jesus actually makes a cord of whips. He actually assaults people. He is whipping them. 
at the Passover festival every year, annually, tens if not hundreds of thousands of Jews would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, to celebrate God's delivering Israel out of the arms of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And they came from miles and miles, if not hundreds or thousands of miles away. And it just became easier. And everybody knew it would be easier rather than bringing your lamb or your bull from where you're from to bring your Passover lamb or your ram to offer as a sacrifice. It's just easier to buy one when you get there, instead of dragging him from Spain or wherever you're from. And what I'm sure, and I absolutely believe this to be sure, what I'm sure was probably starting as a matter of convenience, the priest just happened to have pre-approved animals for these travelers, and of course, you're going to pay a premium for the ease of just going up and picking out your little lamb and going, I'll take that one. It's going to cost you a little more, but you don't have to drag it with you from wherever you're from. And anytime you have a bureaucracy, you're also going to have kickbacks. We have reports of priests rejecting animals for the slightest of detail. But if you were to buy one of these pre-approved animals, or an animal from Uncle Jethro's house, or a number of places, it's amazing that the temple vendors seem to have animals that are perfect every single time. They're pre-approved. What could possibly go wrong? And then you had the money changers, because you can't just buy a lamb of God with old, uh, you know, Spanish money or Greco-Roman money, or you had to have special money, you had to have temple money. So you had to exchange that money. As you might expect, the exchanges might, you know, they might charge a, a bit of a, an upsell, maybe an exorbitant rate. It might be a variable rate of exchange, depending on what the currency you had, where you're from, how much you needed to exchange, how much Hebrew do you speak after all? How many people are taking that specific kind of money on that specific day? But there was something, there was something much more egregious going on than just a couple of people making a few extra bucks. Note Jesus' quote from Isaiah, the temple is to be a house of prayer for all nations. God's house was not just the house of worship for just the Jews. It specifically had a place for Gentiles to come and worship the real God. The Gentiles were supposed to come. They were supposed to be there. The temple was constructed so that it had a court for male Jews. It had a separate court for Jews who were women it also had then an outer court for the Gentiles. Where do you suppose they uh, stored all those pre-approved animals for the sacrifice? 
Well, you can't, you can't store them outside the temple. That defeats the purpose of having them pre-approved. You'd have to get them through the gates. If you get one on the inside of the gates, then you're good. Where do you think all those pigeons pooped? Where do you think, suppose, they haggled about price? Where do you suppose they argued about exchange rates? There were supposed to be people worshiping there were supposed to be Gentiles there worshiping and praying. The temple was meant to be for all people, and instead it has become a xenophobic, money-making machine for the religious leaders and the Jerusalem elite and the well-connected of the city of Jerusalem. Why would the Gentiles want anything to do with what was going on there? And the worse it got, the fewer Gentiles showed up. The fewer Gentiles show up, the more people think, boy, I have just the thing to use for all that extra room we have there that we don't have to use on Gentiles anymore. This is why Jesus takes significant action in clearing the temple grounds. Jesus sends a message, and it's not just a message to the Jews of his time. This also is a message that carries completely through into our own day. This, that, that we have, that we risk the temptation to turn our practice of our religion into a matter of personal piety, personal taste. It's easy. It's easy us to give offerings and budgets and incomes and expenses and give things such a high priority that we lose sight of what it is that we're really doing as a congregation. What's really important. Do we view new people with joy? Do they see us as people of joy? Are we people of God's word? Are we people of sacramental word and spirit? Do people see us as being needed that we need to be fed by the word of God? Are we even friendly? Before you answer that in your head, I have to remind you, every single congregation in America says it's friendly. If visitors don't think you're friendly, doesn't matter what you think. Are you friendly or do your friends go to church with you? There's a completely different thing there. The money changers and the vendors who sold the animals for sacrifice had been placing obstacles in the way of people, especially Gentiles, coming to worship God. The fact is... They all but precluded Gentiles from being able to come and pray and worship at the temple courts. There were many obstacles to the worship. Are there worship obstacles here? Are those obstacles self-inflicted? Are those obstacles something that we have placed? Or perhaps are you placing obstacles in the lives of those around you? Jesus would like nothing more than to take significant action in overturning and driving out those obstacles in our lives that we might be able 
to be ministers to those around us. If we host them here, by all means. But if we have to take that word with us as we go, that will do just as well. Is there significant action needed on the part of Jesus on this Monday, this of this most holy week, yet it would pale, it would pale in comparison to the action that he's going to take on Friday. He would not drive the vendors and the animals out of the temple court from good. I'm sure the next day they came right back up. They probably set up before he even got back to Bethany. They go right back to what they were doing. Instead, what Jesus had come for, instead of to drive out vendors and money changers, Jesus comes to drive out sin and death and evil. He would drive the devil from his place of rulership and dominion over the lives of not just these people, but the lives of every people who would call upon the name of God. And in doing so, he drove out that which had separated us from God as well, namely our sin that Christ nailed unto a cross. All that Jesus accomplished for you became yours on that wonderful day. That significant action of Jesus on the day of your baptism, on the day in which you had been washed in the holy word of God, resurrected to a new life in Jesus Christ. Today, that Holy Spirit of God continues to work through that water and through that word, calling you to faith, washing away your sins, claiming you as a child of God and making you an heir to everlasting life. That day of significant action on God's part still works within you to overcome obstacles, not just obstacles of your faith, but obstacles that the world would try to place in everybody else's way in order to come to the good news that God has forgiven them of their sins. Believe the good news and live. As you might expect, the religious leaders of Jesus's day were not pleased with Jesus's actions. On Monday of Holy Week, it was not good for business. Mark records that the chief priest and the scribes were then seeking a way to destroy Jesus. And by the end of the week, they think that is exactly what they had done. But they couldn't have been more wrong. I invite you to come with us and worship again next week as we continue to explore the significant actions of Jesus' last life, last week, until his resurrection from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.